there's a book by Erin Mayer called The Culture Map. And that book has helped me know. So imagine I'm used to dealing with Brits and all of a sudden I'm thrown into this position where I'm dealing with Ukrainians one minute, Moldovans the other minute, Bulgarians. And these cultures, they're Eastern European, but they've got all of their various differences and colourfulness and beauty and all of that. But they understand the world very, very differently. And I struggled a bit at the start because I wanted to be quite a diplomatic, open leader. And in some of the situations, they wanted an autocratic approach to feedback. Uh, They wanted to be beaten up, but that's not the way that I do it. But then when you do it that way, you get the best results coming back and then you're flipping to the English way. And, you know, it's like, oh, that was a bit harsh, you know, kind of. (laughs) So so all of this was going on. And then I sort of read um, The Culture Map by Erin Mayer and it really helped me to understand the context of different cultures and how to culturally engage with um, different individuals when you are providing feedback or even given, uh, giving instructions and things like that. Welcome to the How They Lead podcast, hosted by Benjamin Wade and Ben Stocken. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the world of high performance, showcasing examples of how individuals and teams can reach their full potential. Together, they'll be inviting amazing guests who have defined or represented high performance in their own right. From world record breakers to individuals who've achieved first in their fields, the How They Lead podcast will showcase a diverse range of guests, each with their unique stories and insights to share. So join us as we challenge traditional ways of doing things, explore new ideas, methods and possibilities, and evolve the way people perform. Glenn, welcome. Thank you for joining us today on our latest episode of How They Lead. Hopefully, we'll get some really great insights. Well, hopefully, we are going to get some great insights. Really looking forward to this episode. Some insights from your own personal life, also your business, which is going from strength to strength, as we've seen in the news. So I will hand back over to you for a little background of who you are, what you do, and why we're all chatting today on our Glenn. Cool. Hi, my name is Glenn Blaze. I'm the COO of Amdaris, a... Uh, a software scale-up business. We have been going through an exciting journey. So we're 13 years old. However, we received investment three years ago, and we've gone from around two, circa 200 people to 1,000 people over the last uh, three years. I lead the people function, the recruitment function, and our centers across Eastern Europe. So as an organization, we have about 70 people in the UK, and then the rest of our employees are across Ukraine, Moldova, Romania, Bulgaria, and Dubai. That's a pretty interesting, interesting synopsis, especially with that growth. That's uh, something we're going to delve into. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't wait to, to del- delve into that. And I think I love this episode. I've been waiting for this episode for, for a while because you're a hard person to pin down to start with because you're, you're very, very busy. I mean, those, those growth headcount numbers tell, tell that story as well. Um, but we've had the, like, the benefit, the privilege of, of getting to know Amdaris when you were about 200, 250. And, and kind of seeing and being a small part in, in, in that journey so far. So hopefully we can, we can dip into some of that as well. So first off, the objective for the pod, this podcast is for us to share some, some lessons you've learned, some mistakes you've made, some of the wins, 
so we can fast track some of the learning for emerging leaders and, and, and business owners coming through. So this is, this is all, about, all about giving and, giving and sharing. So my first question, Glenn, is what's your approach to leading people and teams? What's my approach to leading people and teams? I kind of see myself as the great puzzle maker. And my role is to get all of the puzzle pieces in the right places so that you get like a, a beautiful, a beautiful puzzle, beautiful picture, beautiful 3D thing that you put together. But I feel like you get the right people in the right places and give them the freedom. Sky's the limit. And do you have someone that you aspire to be or who like a role model that did that and you've seen how they've orchestrated that puzzle and the end result growing up or, or now in business as well? Yeah. So. From not necessarily from a, a, a role model from, from that perspective. I think I've had role models who've helped me shape the way that I view the world. I think, like, if I think of the, like the first and probably the biggest influence in my life was my dad. And he was like sort of proper superhero status, came over from the West Indies in the 50s, came to England. This is the time where, you know, black folk weren't really welcomed in the UK, had a really hard time, couldn't get a job. But he has the so much resolve that he worked his way through some really, really difficult circumstances. And he would talk about stories about in the, in the, 50, in the 60s where you had the skinheads and you wouldn't be out after a certain time because you'd get beaten up by the skinheads. But he somehow worked out how to befriend these guys and ended up having his own skinhead protectors because he'd made friends. And he just had this way of looking at the world and just like seeing problems as if someone doesn't like you or if you're not able to get where you need to get to, it's not the challenge isn't to fight against that. The challenge is to make that person want to like you. And then I had the privilege when I was sort of a young and up and coming rookie. I knew I was going into director position and I'd gone to uh, Leaders in London, which was uh, a sort of a leadership conference. And I think there was Pell Gorbachev, uh, Tom Smith, Madeleine Albright, wow. Bill Clinton. And they were all there. And the, the guy who compared it, he was um, Rene Cariol. So he was of um, Pepsi and uh, Marks yeah. and Spencer's fame. And I'm just there and I just saw this guy and I'm like, I want to be you. I want to be you. So um, I, uh, I managed to find out his PA's, his PA's email address and emailed her and she says, no, Rennie's too busy for you. And I, I, I emailed her back and something really cheesy, like my name's Blaze. He wants to see someone called Blaze. Like, so something really ridiculous. Anyway, I got this email back and it said, um, Rennie will meet you at one the Aldwych. You have an hour. <laughs> and it was, that, that's, wow. the, that's all it, that's all it had. Didn't even know what one the Aldrich was at the time. I was just this young whippersnapper and yeah. um, found out it was a hotel. And I went to this hotel at the time and I sat there and um, Rene just um, came in. He offered me a drink and then we sat together and he says, why do you want to be mentored by me? And I talked to him about my dreams, my aspirations, what I was doing with sport and things like that. And he says, I'm going to mentor you, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you stories and you're going to learn from the stories. I'm going to allow you to sit in meetings. And you're going to learn when you hear things in me. And it was just this, it's just, it was just a different way of just like looking back now, it feels like, you know, when you read these old books and it's like, and they sat at the master's feet, it was a very much like very old fashioned in that respect. And I saw him conduct meetings as CEO of Sage and seeing him doing like so many different things. And it was just a joy that I then used that to work out how I was going to navigate leadership and things like that. So yeah, little story for you. You learned from osmosis and just sucking up the information and how he acted and responded in different scenarios. What a cool story. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's what a cool story. story. Would you say that everyone needs a mentor then to, to do what you've done or be in the, like the business and see the growth that you've had? Would you suggest scale-ups and startups out there, everyone tries to get a mentor? I don't know. 
because I, I do think that I was privileged to have stumbled across someone who not only was very, very good, but I was kind of wowed by them. So I think, you know, sometimes when, when you, you're open, aren't you? And it's, it becomes very, very sticky. I think a mentor doesn't necessarily need to be a person. I think there's a lot of content, uh, a lot of information, a lot of books, a lot of things out there. And I think that the key thing is not necessarily finding a mentor, but the key thing is finding the sources of knowledge that are going to enable you to be who you need to be. So, you know, someone could um, read a biography of someone who, I don't know, was a great explorer or who did some incredible things or went through hardship or just had a normal life but looked at the world through different eyes. And that could tap into their inner psyche because we're all very different in the triggers that, that, that make us do what we do. So from a, I think if we look at mentor as a person, maybe not, but if we look at mentor as a thing, then yes, absolutely. It's a good way of thinking. I've never, yeah, never yeah. heard that before. Yeah, yeah. I, really like, I really like that. I think um, I'm still, I'm, I'm still that, that was an incredible story to start with. And, and I, have, I have so many questions. So I want to ask that question first. Um, what would you have done if that second email wasn't answered? I would have kept searching. I think I would have, I would have definitely kept searching because at the time, I was listening to, you know, the, the likes of Anthony Robbins and um, a, a lot of the, like, the self-help guys from America. And I really yeah. liked their energy and their passion and the way that they con- construct. So I was, I was after something. So I would have kept on looking. And I think just by nature of doing the second email, it just, you know, I, I, I knew that there was this thing to go for. I think I would have continued. And I think at the time as well, I, I think, you know, Rene was brilliant. But I kind of was at the start of my journey. So I, I would have found someone else who was hopefully just as brilliant, but it just resonated. Just everything that he did just seemed yeah. to resonate. Yeah. And, and, and so you had that kind of quite influential moment. You've already talked about, about your dad as well. And then you've got this kind of business mentor and you're very sponge-like because you're very early stage. Have you finished playing rugby at this point? You're in business or? Yes. Yeah. Well, I stopped playing pro. I was now yeah. just playing village just play with the rest of us okay so so you're in you're in business and business was was recruitment was recruitment yes business of course it was like one of the best yeah. industries out there business was was recruitment um and so you you've kind of taken you know being kind of seeing seeing your dad kind of you know as, as a role model for you and then you've got this like business mentor and, and this concept of you're reaching for knowledge you know, listening to Tony Robbins and probably walking on like fires and stuff like that, <laughs> following Tony Robbins. And um, what I'm interested in is now, so let's fast forward because you, you've kind of, you founded, you know, recruitment, founded a, um, a tech business, kind of exited that. And then, and then you're in Amdaris and you said you see yourself as like the puzzle, the puzzle maker. And I like the 3D, the 3D switch as well. It's like this 3D puzzle. How, how has, how has everything you've kind of absorbed up to this point where you're, you're in Amdaris, like it's 200 people, how has that influenced how you've built the, the people team and the, and, and the talent attraction team and, and the centers now? Yeah, so I think from my history, I think there's no substitute for wisdom. I think, you know, when, when, when you're young, you can be the brightest person in the book, in the room, not in the book, in the room. Uh, you can be the brightest person in the room, but you may not have the wisdom of how how things fit together. You know, the nuances of people and personalities and environments and all of those type of things. So I think coming into Amdaris, I had quite a lot of knowledge, a lot of things which had gone really, really well and things which had gone really, really badly. 
one of the things that I had learned along the way is that putting the right, getting the right skill sets, and sometimes in getting those right skill sets, don't always want the, the perfect person for the job because you can't find them at the time. So I often think about this in terms of teams that I've had to build. Um, because we had to move fast, I wasn't able to get a 10 out of 10. But I knew what were my eight non-negotiables that I was happy with. And then I would look for the two things that I could supplement that they didn't have, not something that they didn't have and I couldn't supplement because then you're at a double deficit. So that's really helped sort of building the team and saying, right, okay, you know, so my head of people on paper, when I brought her in, a lot of people said I shouldn't have. She wasn't as experienced as she ought to be. But I could see in her that she had exactly what was needed. And when it came to sort of maturity, stakeholder management, these type of things, I knew I, I, I can take her on a journey and take her where she needs to go. But in terms of having a mind to understand that we're moving from a traditional HR process to an agile HR process, and in order for us to scale as quickly as possible, your mind needs to think differently. You need to work in sprints. You need to be iterating constantly. You need to have no fear of failure whatsoever. You know, she had that, and I knew that that was going to work. Or if you look at my head of recruitment, I knew that when it comes to developing the team, and leading by example, he was very good. I'm on a data journey, and I know that one of his weaknesses is data, but I know that I can compensate for his data weakness, but he can really take a team on a journey and take a vision and a dream and take that in the direction. So I've had to build in those different ways. And, you know, you've, you've met my center directors uh, in Europe, and they are, they are absolutely brilliant, you know, and anything that they don't have, I think along the way we can build that in, but they have that core ability to say right okay it's an adventure i always talk about this story that, that in um in lord of the rings where gandalf goes to bilbo and he's telling him about this journey and, and bilbo's like oh the adventures aren't good for me you know they're scary things you know and he doesn't want to do it but in the end he does do it and it's the most exhilarating scary fulfilling journey he's ever been on and i think that that's what i paint to my people is that it's going to be a freaking crazy time but we're all going to learn along the way. We're all going to cry along the way and we're all going to laugh along the way. But we're all going to have these experiences where we hand something back to someone else and say, look, you know, I've learned, I've grown, I've developed. You mentioned your, your eight uh, non-negotiables. It's quite specific there. Could you let us know what those are? Because I'm sure there's lots of people out there who are either on that, on that journey at the beginning. <laughs> now, now, Glyn's, I'm going to buy you some time. Glyn's going, did I say eight? <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep talking I meant two. a little bit longer. <laughs> one and a half. Glyn, can so, you just share so, a, couple, a couple of those eight? Like one or two of them. So when I say, yeah, so when I say non-negotiables, I don't mean like actually like, um, so like for, for each position, there will, so each position, so I work off like, let's say for instance, profiles. So if I have, if I'm hiring someone to, um, to, to, to head up HR, for instance, uh, rather than it be a job description, there'll be like a, a profile that I will create for that person uh, or what will be the right person for that role. And it will be characteristics. And I'll do that for each role. So for instance, I've got center manager in the UK and, you know, like it, it, like she'll have like one of them was like unflappable optimism, you know, so that makes no sense, but it does make sense in the context of in the type role, of person yeah. I want to work with in that role. Or do, do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like those type okay. of things. I think unflappable optimism, like that, that's like a Myers-Briggs uplift, I think. <laughs> like, how, how, do, how do we interview this? Oh, there are nine and a half unflappable optimism. 
How do you know but that? The, well, they the interesting, but the interesting thing is the people who have that, they resonate with those words and those emotions yeah. as they read it. And I noticed, this in, yeah, yeah. I noticed this in the interview process that those who really connected had like, if they were like, this is me. And they wanted to share why that was them. As opposed yeah, yeah. to, can, can you do this? You know, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Tick. Ask me yeah. a competent. I'll ask you a competency-based question on, and you can use the star model to answer it. And you know, we'll, we'll learn nothing. No, I, 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 I really like that. And I think, I think the way that you've painted that picture about how, like, the, the puzzle builder. It, it sounds like, and I might be stretching this analogy a bit, so bear with me. It sounds like, like they might not be the right piece for the puzzle, but actually, the picture might change, like as you're going in terms of what you're building, because you're building at scale. You know what the vision is. You know what the mission is. But actually, in terms of like the journey of getting there, Lord of the Rings, like it might be a slightly different picture as we go to then morph into the end, the end result. And that's that that's the nature of, of leading and growing teams and like developing that. people. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, I like that a lot. Cool. Okay. Well you can have it. You can't have it, you can borrow it. I like, I like it. You can borrow it. Um, okay, cool. So I think there's, there's like, I think we've 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 learned a lot there about in terms of like self-leadership like if you're going to lead people like that then you've already shared that you're going to roll your sleeves up and get into the weeds to help them with some of the bits that they might not have right now what's your process then in terms of like developing those those bits because otherwise you'd never sleep like thousand people in the bit i know you work a lot anyway but (laughs) but you would never sleep so what's your process then to be able to like enable them to have more autonomy and develop that skill set how have you gone about that process so I very much, so because I like to be quite hands-off in my leadership, I'm very much in terms of trying to be very, very clear in creating a vision. And I think the, 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 the clearer you are in the vision that you want, the easier it is for someone to work out your vision. You know, so let's say, for instance, as we've gone on this journey, I can't do everything, but I knew that we wanted to move uh, the human resources from a traditional, you know, straight-laced human resources function to quite um, an agile human resources function whereby these are the outcomes. So I've got these projects that I need you to achieve. Now, the way that I perhaps would have achieved this, and this is, this is the learn for me, because I think a number of years ago, I would have probably directed how I want it to happen. And what's quite good is when you're too busy, you kind of can't see what people are doing but you get to see the result and you realize that as long as you, it's like, um, it's like the ingredients to a recipe. Um, as long as you make sure that those things are correct and, and the measurements are, the, are correct and you let that person do what they've got to do, then they'll come back with a masterpiece. I used to do this, um, this talk where I talked about if someone gave you a piece of marble, what do you come back with? And the value that you bring is how you give that piece of marble back to someone. Are you going to do sort of like a Michelangelo uh, statue or you're just going to give it with a few chips in it or whatever and I think this is what we do with our people isn't it that we give them this block and we say I need you to create and this creation needs to be this it needs to be this it needs to bring this type of emotion it needs to have this type of result we need to achieve this and I think this is the thing about leadership isn't it that I measured not on how it's done when you think about it when I sit in the SLC with a C-suite I'm not being measured on how we do it I'm being measured on was it done and was it done really well and has that created revenue has that created value and has that created uh, profit for, for, for shale so therefore if you're able to take that and realize that empowering your people to be really creative in doing things and sometimes it goes horribly wrong 
but those are just opportunities to go right okay let's do it better where next did, time yeah let's do better next time and it's actually joy in that do you know what i mean and like sort of people call it failure but i don't necessarily think it's failure i think it's just finding out other ways to do things because in another circumstance that process that they went through could actually work but the business yeah may not be work moving at that speed but it's only failure if you don't learn from it isn't it if yeah. you don't learn and grow and take the lessons from it, it, it is failure. So, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's probably like, it's like repeating the same mistake in exactly the same scenario twice. But as you've yeah. just said, you can repeat the same process and have different results in different yeah. parameters and resources, et cetera. Um, I think the statue you were looking for is the David. Yes. The Michelangelo. Yeah. Yes. The, the, um, the marble one. Yeah. But yeah, I was going to say that the vision that you're saying, how effectively you communicate that, that's effectively putting in the, the you've mentioned riverbanks or the guidelines, isn't it? So if you can get across your vision, in a really concise manner that gives people the guidelines to operate within and then they have the autonomy and that and you're empowering them to come back to you with those results but they get your vision and, and the overall goal and getting them excited i think if there's if there's one thing that i feel like i'm good at is galvanizing people around something bigger than themselves like you know if, if, if there's like a superpower that i've got is like it's like i can create this vision of something that we all need to run at like then how we're going to do it but i can create something that's really really exciting and compelling and that that's really worked quite well and then it's it's, it's bringing the, the pieces of the puzzle that you know that they're going to be able to get this and they're going to use their crazy imaginations and resourcefulness to achieve great things can i ask a question that we haven't covered yet at all on any of these yeah imposter syndrome uh, you, you just mentioned well, you've read yourself to, as a superhero, or superpowers at least. But have you, have you ever had imposter syndrome? And if you have, how, how can people get across or get over that? You might not have done, but it's just something we haven't really covered. But actually, yeah, yeah. given how quickly you've grown and the scale that you've got to in a short space of time and how, many, how well you're effectively leading, has that ever cropped up, that imposter syndrome for you personally? So, yes, the answer is yes, but the answer is it's not crippling. So um, back in, so it would be back in like 2003, 2004, uh, the Brian Tracy did a series. I've forgotten what it was called. But as part of the series, you woke up in the morning and you looked in the mirror and you went, I love myself. I'm going to do something amazing today. And you, you did that 11 times. And I used to, <laughs> and it's really American and it's really narcissistic. But you know when, I believe that, you know, this like a lot of these, you know, like imposter syndrome and, and, and what cripples people is the actual self-talk that goes on yeah. when like you're an imposter and then it's either I can, yes, I can crush I am, this or, or I am, what am I going to do? You know, kind of thing. You know, from the imposter syndrome has not necessarily been the challenge for me. The challenge for me sometimes has been like as, as a black man in business, sometimes I'm going into settings whereby there is no one who looks like me, sounds like me, well, maybe not sounds like me, but like no, no one who looks like me or people aren't used to like my type. And I know that sometimes I'm dealt with differently and you have to understand the, 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 the way the battle lines are drawn, but still plow the right way and still be, you live, live with integrity and still have that confidence. And that, that's something that I've had to learn along the way and I found difficult as a younger man, um, but now I'm old. I'm like, oh, well. But the, the, way, the way you mentioned taking that and using it positively, have, have you found that that has really, really helped as well? Like how positive you are and how you come across and you're memorable and you're, like, your persona as well. Has that played to your advantage as well and really helped in business, do you think? I think so. I think um, I'm a very optimistic, 
glass full, not even half full, yeah. but like glass full the whole time. To even when things, <laughs> yeah, put to the brim, overflowing. overflowing. <laughs> My glass overflowing. Yeah, yes. um, that type of uh, that type of person. So I think in that respect. It, it has the benefit of being infectious, I think, which probably yeah. helps me in a lot of situations where if I was probably a little bit calmer and not like that, that it may not help as much. So, you yeah. know, there are these things. There's two things that I see in, in Glenn, and we've known each other for years now. Yeah. And years, we are old <laughs> men. I just live by the beach. It doesn't, doesn't show as much. Wow. So, to, to... <laughs> we'll edit, we'll edit that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so, well, you're a superhuman, so fine. Okay. So, uh, two things, two things. The first thing is the imposter syndrome bit's really, really interesting. And I think you talked about like internal, internal self talk and that there's, there's positive self talk, like affirmations were effectively what you're doing when you were talking to yourself in the mirror. But then the, there's, there's space for a lot of like over awareness and reflection, which I think can lead to apathy and a lack of action if people are in that space. And I think what, I, what I've seen in the way that you operate and other people who overcome a, an element of imposter syndrome and stepping up to bigger and bigger roles is, is action. And actually, if you are maintaining forward momentum, you kind of don't have time for an That's awful true. lot of that negative self-talk because you're like, you're like, how do I get to the next thing? How do I get to the next thing? So I think, I think I see that as well in, yeah. in what you're saying. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that, is that fair? No, I, I, I'd say that's very fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like that. yeah. It's just something that came up with a couple of our clients, that imposter syndrome. It, it, we've never really discussed it. So it sounded like the right opportunity to, to bring that up and just see if you've experienced it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for opening yeah. up and explaining all. And I think the second, the second bit, because I did say two and I must, must finish with the second bit. The second bit is attitude and optimism and, and energy. And I think there's something that can be, there's an interesting piece around, you know, should you, should you have like the shouty kind of alpha leader or the more controlled kind of considerate leader? And, and there, there are people that are either end of that continuum and a bunch of people in the middle. And I think there's a difference there between loud and, and direct and, and introverted and quiet. And, and that this is something different, which I think is energy and enthusiasm. And I think energy and enthusiasm goes, goes an awful long way when it comes to leading, collaborating, but also following. Like the people, we all follow people, whether that's customers or CEOs or whatever. Like if you follow with enthusiasm, like you're going to get a better result. And yeah. I think um, one of, one of my, my really good friends said to me, he's a, he's a pastor. And I remember he was, he was giving a talk and he, he said, I can't remember what the talk was about, but he said this. Um, well, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was really strong talk. <laughs> strong talk. Strong talk. But the bit that landed with me, his name's, his name's, his name's Chris and um, he looks after church in Reading. He said, like, you have two, um, two opportunities when you walk into a room. You can even be a thermostat or a thermometer. Choose to be a thermostat. Like set, set the tone, set the energy. Yeah, yeah, like that. Now you can do that within your skill set and parameters of whether you are like, you know, quiet, you can still set uh, like an intensity tone, yeah. of, of tone and energy. And I think, I think that's probably a bit of one of your superpowers, like from knowing you, like that, that infectious energy really comes across. And I've observed that in, in the people that you work with. Does it ever come across and people become overly friend, friendly though? Because the way your persona, you're very easy to get on with and, and likable. So do people take that as being overly friendly? And actually then when you have to lay down the law or be the head of a hyper growth business, have you ever found it hard to achieve that balance? Or have you always managed to step aside? No, I, I, no. Um, 
we talked about this. We, we went out to dinner with the team yesterday. We've got the new stars. We went out to dinner and um, it was quite nice. The team was saying that they kind of always know where I stand. But I've worked out over the years ways of saying things in a way that is sufficiently straight, sufficiently clear, but doesn't, you know, doesn't knock someone down or whatever. So they, so we, we will always stay friends. And I will always try to hire people who are very good at wanting feedback and dealing with feedback and responding to feedback. And I've had some really interesting conversations with my direct reports where we've had to have some really, really, really tough um, conversations. And it hurts me. It's like, it's like, you know, when you're in, a, when you're doing it and it's, you're feeling the pain because you don't want them to feel the pain, but you know that this is really important for their development and their growth. And I think that they then respect you that you take the time and you go through the pain in order to forward with them. And I think if you speak to, if you speak to my team, you, you know, they'll tell you about some instances where we've had to have um, those type of conversations. And do, do you dig into that in the interview process? Because that's a really good learning point to take away that actually having someone who can take feedback well is critical from the sound of it. How do you judge that in the interview process? How do you judge that? Yeah, so in the interview process, you've got, you've got questions where you probe and, I'll, and I, may throw, um, I may throw things out, but I think, I don't know, I think, I, I think there is something about in your gut as you're going through a process. The older I get, yes, there is the formulaic way of doing things, but I do realise that, or I do think that the gut does play a big part in building the right types of uh, teams with the right types of people. You get, you get a feel for it. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's a there's a bit there's a lot there's a bunch of research around like decoding what gutting's thing is, yeah. and actually it's it's layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of experience that are then analysed at a semi-conscious level. Like that's that's your that's why I guess a gut instinct of someone in their twenties is not necessarily as refined yeah. as someone who's who, who who's done a bit more time, made made many 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 hires, yeah. and seen the fruits of of their performance. Yeah. I guess the trap you could fall into, though, with gut instinct is you tend to hire those that are similar to you, that you get on well with. So you end up with a puzzle of similar pieces rather than yeah. unique pieces all coming oh, together. Back on the puzzle. I'll just throw that out. Yeah. I'm interested. I, I want to I lean into that, those, those, these feedback conversations, if I oh, can. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So um, this is not Strap a coaching it. session. But I'm, so to, to, to manage, like, it, it's a skill to, to give someone some critical but developmental feedback with a, with a good intent, but to have to have that hard conversation is, is a skill. So do you have a conscious process you go for in terms of preparing for, for those conversations or, or, or do you just go in? And, and if, if, if it is a process, how, how do you go about making sure that that, that conversation has a good outcome? So I'll, I'll step back. So depending on who giving feedback to, because I think we have quite a open communication style as an SLT. So sometimes I'll be communicating things that I may have issues with or people may have on, on the SLT, which may be slightly different to the way that I would do it with my team. So with the SLT, we might be a little bit more robust in the way that we go at each other, knowing that we are like brothers, we're going to eat at the table later on. So this is just a kind of a, a fight that brothers have, um, and brothers and sisters, sorry. Uh, when it comes to the team, I've learned that you need to prepare. I have learned that <laughs> you need, honestly, like as in, it doesn't matter how many superpowers you've got, <laughs> you don't know how they're going to respond, how they're going to take it, what's going to come back in the other 
what are the other factors that have caused them to do what they're having to do? So therefore not pre preparing just puts you in a very, very, very difficult situation. So yes, to prepare. I think some of the worst advice that I was ever given was got to do the shit sandwich. Um, it's just the most awful way of doing things. And it's like a universal way that people are taught to do good news, bad news, good news. And it's just, it just kills it. Whereas people want you to be authentic and they want you to be clear and they want to know that you have their best interest at heart. I, um, there's a book by Erin Mayer called The Culture Map. And that book has helped me know. So imagine um, I'm used to dealing with Brits and all of a sudden I'm thrown into this position where I'm dealing with Ukrainians one minute, Moldovans the other minute, Bulgarians. And these cultures, they're Eastern European, but they've got all of their various differences and colourfulness and beauty and all of that. But they understand the world very, very differently. And um, I struggled a bit at the start because I wanted to be quite a diplomatic, open leader. And in some of the situations, they wanted an autocratic approach to feedback. Uh, they wanted to be beaten up, but that's not the way that I do it. But then when you do it that way, you get the best results coming back and then you flip into the English way. And, you know, it's like, oh, that was a bit harsh, you know, kind of. <laughs> so like, so all of this was going on. And then I sort of read um, The Culture Map by Erin Mayer and it really helped me to understand the context of different cultures and how to culturally engage with um, different individuals when you are providing feedback or even given um uh, giving instructions and things like that yeah yeah it's, it's funny you should bring that up because literally on linkedin today i mentioned about giving feedback and one of the biggest questions that we find is regularly not asked is just asking the person how they like to receive it yeah like yeah. many times that that's missed it's such a crucial step into giving effective feedback you just assume everyone likes to receive it the same way you do yeah but if i tried to do that on ben for example it would go down horrifically because we yeah. don't yeah. receive feedback in the yeah, same yeah. way yeah completely and there's um there was there was a, a story in the last business I was I was in full full time before before setting up West Peak. There was there was one person who did something exceptionally well. Okay, so they they they, they client meeting absolutely smashed out of the park. Came back loads of work and um and their their director in front of the whole sales floor was like just just want to shout out this person round of applause. Everyone stood up etc. That person's performance fell off a cliff. Wow. Okay. And, and, and it's like head of L and D and, and performance, like was observing this and I was like, what's going on? Like this person was absolutely like up there rocketing and, um, I had a conversation with them. I was like, well, what, what, what's, what's going on? They said, well, like, I, I just don't want like praise in an open public environment. Yeah. So yeah. I actually subconsciously what that person had done is they just lowered themselves just below the bar. <laughs> just to avoid praise. And that hit me like square between the eyes in terms of we think about feedback and the danger of giving constructive feedback in the wrong way. But also, as, as Ben said, just onboarding, you know, welcoming someone into a new team as a, as a leader, understanding like, how do you like to receive praise? How do you like to receive feedback? And you talk about taking a cultural approach. I think there's taking an individual approach yeah. um, as well, which is really important. Yeah, absolutely. We, I think we've, we've covered quite a bit there uh, in terms of like followership, leadership, especially in, on your journey. I just want to dig into a little bit about the West Peak, if that's all right. Um, you obviously know the reason why it was named West Peak, but for the viewers at home who haven't already heard it quite a few times, it's all about that false summit. So you, you've learned things, you've grown with the business, you've got to the, the peak of your career, and then suddenly you realize there's a false peak. It was a false summit, and actually there's far more behind that, that first peak than you ever thought was possible. And it almost brings you back down to the ground again. 
uh, in mountaineering, quite often get people taken off the, the, the first summit because they've, they've relaxed, they thought they were there, but there's a whole lot more behind that first summit. So have you got any experiences in, in your career or personally where you thought you were at the top, you were, you were just about there, you picked over and there was a whole lot more hidden away behind it. And how did you cope with that? Probably the story of my career, actually. <laughs> Realising there's more. We've got time. I think one of the biggest ones for me was I was um, a sales director at recruitment business in um, in London, and this was my first sales director position. I'd been at the business, I'd gone through, become sales director, and then I got promoted to commercial director. And we were looking at working towards exit. How are we going to do it? And um, I was tasked. I was because I'd done quite well. I was tasked with you know sort of planning out this way in which we're going to do it and um i delivered this plan and it it taken ages i'd worked with the the team on how to get to this plan and plan was about how the business was going to be structured moving forward how we were going to do everything commercially what was going to go on what clients we were going to bring in how we're going to get to x amount a million and it was a really really good plan and um part of the plan was that the the way in which we paid commissions and the way in which we structured the financial side of the business needed to change quite drastically. And on paper, it made so much sense how we were going to rock it. We were opened in Dubai as well, everything like that. Delivered this plan, took the employees through where we were going and what we were doing. Uh, CEO, or they, they were, they were, the founders were like really happy and everything like that. Did the old mic drop, I'm great, lack <laughs> of honor, put on my budgie smugglers, off to the whatever. Anyway. I really, it was summer when, when I did, it was just before summer when I delivered it. And one of the employees had gone on holiday and met one of my close friends. And one of my close friends says, I've just met one of your employees and they hate you. And I was like, what? Wow. And, this, and this, this, this person hadn't given me any inkling that they hated me. And what transpired over the next few months was that I created this plan and not taken into consideration that in changing the commission structure, in changing salaries, that people were supporting ill parents who they needed money to support. People had uh, were, were saving for houses. Uh, people had uh, weddings that they were planning. And in making these unilateral business changes that looked really good on paper, I'd literally changed the lifestyle, the life dreams of a group, of, well, a certain amount of people within that business without thinking about it. To me. What I had done at the time was I created the world's most amazing commercial plan, which was going to give us an amazing route to exit. But on the other hand, I had lost half of my sales team and like really good salespeople along the way because I hadn't thought about where they were and where they sit and what their circumstances were and all of that. And as a young leader, manager, boy, I liked to be, and it's really good, I liked to be liked. So the fact that someone didn't like me, oh man, that, that, that killed me. And then when I realized there was a number of people that I had impacted, killed me even more. And I think that was this bit where you just realized that, hey, it's not all about fancy commercial um, plans and things like this. It's, it's about people. And um, from that day onwards, I always, I, I've always said that, you know, However, however far we go in business, we've got to be willing to make sacrifices for the whole, not just for the, the few who are at the top of the uh, top of the tree. And that was like a huge learning experience for me, like just lying awake at night, just thinking about, you know, like when I'd realized the amount of damage I'd wreaked 
yeah. you know, just realizing that. And the, the feeling that what I thought was the mic drop moment was actually one of the shittest moments of my career. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like yeah, it, yeah. Couldn't, it couldn't have been more poles apart. And that was like my yeah. West Peak. And then I had to start climbing that other peak again, slowly yeah. with my tail between my legs, weeping a little bit as I went and trying to, you know, repair the damage that I'd done. What, what would you have done differently now you've had all this time to think back? And apart from obviously not doing the same thing, but is there anything tangible that people can take away, uh, like just, such as getting like, that first follower or getting the, the engagement? And the follow- following from the employees, first of all, or discussing it with them. Sounds like that might have been lacking. Yeah, I think, yeah. And, and this is what lessons? I do. I do a lot of this now. So when, like, obviously we're growing really, really quickly and there's a, there's a number of things that we're doing. And I've got like what I call like, um, uh, I call it the um, insights. We have an insights call. And on the insights call, I will say like, here's an idea. Here's something I'm doing. Uh, this is the plans that I want to do. What do you think about? And so on it, I've got my team, my wider teams. You've got all of the HR, you've got recruitment, you've got my center directors, uh, and you've got others on that call. And I will throw this out to them. And they, and the interesting thing is, it's like you realize that the sum of the heads is so much greater than like, like when when you're relatively successful, sometimes you do think you know a lot. And like I'm just constantly on these insights calls realizing that I see half the elephant, well, not even half the elephant, I see the backside <laughs> of the elephant. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And they're all looking at all, all of the other parts and they throw things in. And, and like, it's quite interesting. We've got like a war room at the moment and like there's certain things that we plan to do. And I was like, like, we're not doing this anymore. because I've taken my team and they've brought back these concerns and these issues and we hadn't, we hadn't considered that. So I've, I've, I've really learned just to really make sure. And sometimes it's like, you're still going to do it but having communicated it, people get used to the idea and they prepare for it. And I think part of parcel of what happened before is that I hadn't given anyone any time to like prepare or anything like that. I, there was no yeah. sort of lead in. It's like, ba-ba, yeah. Ta-da. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're paying your commission annually. <laughs> um, so like, I think that that's, that's such a good, like, like just a great like package there in terms of, the insights bit, the listening through the business and like the best idea must win. But is it the best idea? Like, because it's not fully formed, you're only seeing parts of it. And I think that's, that takes a lot of, like, it takes a lot of humility and vulnerability because actually you're saying, I've got this great idea. It's really sparkly and I'm going to put it out there. And I've set the expectation of everyone that I give them the trust that they'll shoot it down if it's not the right idea and I will listen. But also the realism bit that actually some of that stuff may just have to happen but you've enabled them to go through the change curve first. You've got some change evangelists yeah. who are like, okay, th- this might be a bit shit, but, but we've come to terms with it and we're going through the change curve before the rest of the business. So I think there's, there's, there's two really, really interesting bits there. Should we do some quick fire? Let's do some quick fire. Let's do some quick fire. Glyn, are you ready? Ready. Got a couple of questions each. Got a couple of questions to throw out at you. I think you'll add one pass, but you have to come back to it. Why is, ben, yes. why, why is he smiling so much? He's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So, um, yeah, as Ben said, you're allowed one pass, but all that pass does is delay it to the end. Okay. You still have to answer it. So we'll do two each. They're over there, which is why Ben's looking over there. Um, he'll go first because he's, he's older and taller and better looking. Why, why is um, and then I'll go. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. Uh, I would hire who if I could? <laughs> I know Stock and more. 
that I go with a note. I go with a note. Oh, 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 no, it didn't have to be any of us. Oh, it could have yeah, been anyone. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the name of your favourite host. That would be a trick yeah. question. Awkward. We'll go with Ben. No, no, okay, out of everyone, apart from the two of us, who yeah, would you hire? Anybody. anybody. If anybody, who would you hire? Oh, if I could hire anyone in the world. Yes, apart from both of us. We can edit out the pause as well, so it is quick fire. <laughs> we can reduce that bit down. Such, that is such a good question. Such a good question. Jesus. Oh, okay. very okay. good answer. Right, okay. Quick fire, quick fire, quick fire. Um, start from scratch or improve? Start from scratch. Failure is... Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Failure is yes. Failure is... Failure is... Failure is... Failure is... Learning. What is learning? learning Failure is learning. Okay, okay, go on. Yeah, that's that the last one. one, but we'll have one more. Okay, so whilst you're thinking about that one. Lead from the front or the back? Oh, yeah, lead from the front or the back? From the front. Controversial. Okay. No. And our final question yeah. is, <laughs> who do you think should be our next guest on the podcast? Oh, good question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Someone sporty. Someone sporty. Okay. Someone, okay. Who's done, someone who's crossed the Rubicon of sports to business. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Any particular field? Any particular sport that floats just, your boat? No, I just think I just think it's really it's quite interesting. Like, like you meet a lot of people who've like grown up through business, and you meet a lot of people who've done really, really well in sport. You don't always meet those people who've done exceptionally well in business and sport. And like, what did what else did they have to learn from being elite to being elite? You know? Nice. Um, we didn't even actually cover that. I guess as a closing remark, then is there one thing that you took that we could learn from from the professional rugby field to business? What one thing have you taken? Because we didn't actually delve into your your rugby playing background and what you've taken for off the field. Yeah, I think if if there's if there's one thing like it, if I was to think about like the best teams or whatever that I've played on and, and things like that is like there is a place for everyone. Do you know what I mean? And not everyone's got to be a, a like I think of it in terms of not everyone needs to be a superstar or a rock star, you know? Yeah. So like when you're playing rugby, you may have this prop who's just really technically proficient and just does their thing week in, week out. But then you've got this fullback who's this mercurial talent who's running around. Do you know what I mean? But everyone's got their place. And that's what I try to have on the teams, you know, whereas yeah, yeah. I think sometimes you your nature would be to have superstars everywhere. I just want the best people yeah. everywhere, but actually you need the mixture and knowing their skill set and that's what your yeah. position does nice. i love that thank that's you. a really good place to, really good place to finish glenn thank you so much for your wisdom for your time <laughs> it's, been it's been fun and we've yeah. taken a lot from it a lot of lessons learned i appreciate yeah. that and thank you very much causes. Thanks for joining us on the How They Lead podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned something new about the world of high performance. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And don't forget to subscribe to the How They Lead podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep pushing yourself to reach your full potential and evolve the way you perform. And remember, just because something has always been done a certain way, doesn't mean doing it a new way can't work. Yeah.